BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode of The Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a local sports bar we fucking love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes that experience better. Look, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. It's crazy fun. I've done it for years. But watching a game in a spot that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other Dub Nation fans is way more fun. COVID stole that from us for a while, and the ACO is giving it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge and legitimate TVs, and their full complement of great food, service, and drinks. It's big. It's comfortable. It's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes during this incredible Warriors season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. I even love that it's basically family friendly. I can go here, get hammered with my friends and get too passionate, or I can roll with my wife and kid and just enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring y'all into our huddle. You are in the Huddle with me, Graham, with me for usual, my boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, I am fired up to announce, and we need him. It's been a while. We're in a great place. The Warriors are back in the wind column, rejoining us. After far too long, the former Warriors beat writer for the Barian News Group, the current West Coast specialist for NBA.com, and a guy who's been repping the huddle shirt on the trails of Los Angeles, Mr. Mark Medina. What's going on, Mark? Graham, hey, I'm, I'm more than happy to always represent Warriors Huddle uh, on the L.A. trails. You know, I can't confirm or deny when I was on these trails, there may have been some people, you know, walking by me and like yelling, oh, LeBron's better than Steph or no finals MVP, things like that. And then Jesus I just had to talk some sense. To I mean, I, you know, <laughs> right when I thought that we were complimenting each other and I was all happy to have you on there, you have to throw in some finals MVP talk. And no, no, I, I was validating that. I, I understand what's going them. on. I'm just not ready to talk about that topic. Also, you can't begin this by saying I'm always ready to rep the wear huddle when you're not actually wearing any wear huddle shit right now. So okay, here, not- here's why I was I was representing some NBA.com apparel because 
I'm pumped to talk to you, Bram. I just did a Twitter space conversation with NBA.com, so I had to rep it. Oh. And it was with Draymond Green. So, like, I was able to talk to two amazing people at the Warriors. I don't know how I would rank it. It would depend on how this podcast goes. But I can guarantee that you will at least be second. I'll take that. Yo, I'll take a top two guaranteed finish. And I, I'm not someone to back away from a challenge. And also, I'm not someone who's above a lie. So at the end of this, if you need to lie to tell me that you enjoyed this more, you know, please, um, uh, I'd like to hear exactly that. How was Draymond? How did he, how did he sound? How was the experience? Oh, uh, you know what? Like, I'll be honest, this interview, Draymond was, was kind of vanilla. He didn't offer a lot of opinions. He decided to withhold any sort of takes on things. Yeah. Uh, no, it was completely Draymond Green. It was the opposite of his honesty, his I don't give a you-know-what. But also, like, I'm fascinated, uh, and I think it's an underrated part of Draymond Green's interviews, how he's so analytical, and he can break these things down to offer a window of how brilliant of a player he is, but he can do it in layman's terms for the people who are like, don't know, you know what about basketball, i.e. someone like me, uh, compared to him, right? So I, I just love how he's able to do that uh, while offering kind of digestible sound bites and nuggets to chew on. So yeah, it was a, it was a very enjoyable combo, and uh, I'm sure we can get into it more as well as anything else on the Warriors end. I don't mind telling you that that description makes me crazy fucking nervous. So look, I meant what I said. I am on board for a competition and I want you to lie to me if I don't win it. But also we talked about this before we hit record. I'm hella sick, hella sick. So the one thing I will not be is quick on my feet and able to like suddenly break down really complicated things into small uh, manageable chunks. So this is not going the way that I'd like it to. Let's get the hell out of this intro boys and let's talk Warriors basketball we are on the other side of a hell of a game to win, a game I was actually lucky enough to go to, so I want to jump in. Uh, let's do the glass half full. So, Mark, you've done this with us before. Look back on just game two this time, that single game. Give me something you like and something that you didn't. Loved the Warriors' defense. You know, they immediately course-corrected. Draymond Green lived up to his vow of bringing a lot more force, and he brought everyone else along with them. Look. Uh, you know, the Warriors after game one were kind of shrugging their shoulders. Yeah, like Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Derek White aren't going to shoot a lot of threes because now we're not going to let them. And they immediately course corrected. Then they had Draymond and Jalen Brown. Andrew Wiggins playing really well and Jason Tatum. While I am mindful that every single game, especially in a, a finals playoff series, has its own identity, I think that they offered the blueprint and template of how they want to play from an energy standpoint. And so while technically the Warriors don't have home court advantage, the series is tied and their next game is in Boston in a hostile environment, I think the Warriors have shown that they figured a lot of things out defensively. And I know that there's a lot of question marks on the offensive end, but I wrote a story for NBA.com arguing that at the end of the day, it's the Warriors defense that's going to determine whether they win an NBA title or not. Because A, when you look at the Warriors' past uh, you know, uh, championship runs, they always – you know, really fared well on the defensive end. Uh, so that's number one. But number two, when you look at the dynamics of this team and knowing how, you know, the nature of final series works, there's always going to be struggles on the offensive end. But one thing that they can control is not only how intense you can play on defense, but, but how smart you can play. And they, they really offered the template on how to do that in game two. MT, we haven't heard from you for a while, man. Why don't you pick it up from here? What do you think? Something you like, something you didn't. Um, and stretch it out, if you like. Go beyond game two, if uh, if you have any thoughts. That's all good. Um, 
game two. So I unfortunately had to go to a wedding of my wife's friend. So I watched game two um, on a cell phone with just periodic updates from Yahoo Sports. So oh my God. Um, I had a different different experience with it. I went, got to go home and, and watch it. I recorded it. So it was it was different. Um, but what I liked. Um, People said it was that. different. You're like the greatest <laughs> husband of all time. I think we both would have known. Like if that happened to me, I'm definitely describing it as something other than different. Were you angry? Before you give us a description, I'm sorry, the quick follow up. Were you angry or no? Like you're just calm. It is what it is. I'll just watch this on my phone and then catch the replay. I played chestnut checkers. I, this is game two. It wasn't game seven. So, you know, I give this one to my wife and I, I build up a little social capital and, and I can spend it later on. So yeah, if you it should start been playing the seven, fucking I finals. I probably would have. Chestnut yeah. checkers. Start playing the game where you get to watch all fucking the games that they play. This isn't like <laughs> the second round. Dude. We're talking finals. This is when you cash your chips in, not save them. No way. You understand. I mean, you can't even get your wife to listen to our podcast. So no, but I go to every goddamn game. Man. That's exactly <laughs> right. But I, I, I digress. This is not the Marcus relationship huddle. What, what, when you were allowed to watch some of the game, what'd you pull out of it? Um, what I liked was that, uh, you know, bar, except for the fourth quarter of game one, um, the Warriors have pretty much won every quarter. So um, I think it's, some of the other pundits and the, and the media personalities are saying that the Warriors, um, you know, Celtics are in a good spot. And, you know, we game one, second quarter, I think we lost by six points. But I would argue it, it was still close enough that it really wasn't like it didn't feel like the Celtics won the quarter. Right. So I think except for that, you know, kind of anomaly where Al Horford and Derek White just, you know, shoot like Steph. Um, we've been the better team. And I would argue that that's been true. So um, I really like that we've figured out how to play this team. Um, they are a different type of matchup for us. They've always presented a problem for us, but we're in a good place. And I like that we have, in my mind, figured it out. And, um, you know, it, it bodes well moving forward. What I didn't like was that it took Draymond Green having an extremely long leash with the referees in order for us to get that energy and heartbeat and pulse back. I think they rein him in more. I think they call more fouls, um, you know, moving forward. And some of the, his physical play there is that, you know, one clip that went viral that of him setting three screens that was, you know, akin to a fullback making room for a running back in the NFL. It's an incredible I, you screen. Know, I think they call that in the next game. But, um, you know, I so I don't like that we had to do it that way, but I still – you know, when it's all said and done, we are winning the quarters and we are winning the the, the battles in the trenches. So um, I like our chances. Mark, you're in a very committed, serious relationship. Get in here. I mean, give me give me some take. Was is Marcus doing the right thing? It is what it is. You got to, you know, <laughs> take the punch and miss a finals game or no, man, it's the finals of his favorite team. He does a podcast on them. Should he be watching it? I think broadly speaking, yes, this is the time to cash your chips in. So I'm with Bram. Like there's no long game with the exception that if there is a wedding that incidentally is scheduled for the possible game seven, maybe, maybe I do understand that that's the non-negotiable, like, sorry, I'm not going to this regardless. <laughs> um, but no, broadly speaking, assuming there's nothing on the horizon in the middle of the finals, 
this is one you cash the chips in. Um, totally agree. Also, I'm terrified of my wife. So if she happens to actually listen to this, I, I know that she's not. But if she happens to listen to this, any game you need me to miss, you just let me know. Back to the Warriors, you guys, because I got a lot of things I like. Come on, boys. We're talking about a fucking finals win. They're finally back. You know, I feel like the entire momentum of this series has shifted. Um, I liked Jordan Poole's emergence. When he hit that shot to end the quarter from the half, so I was in standing room only seats, which has its own kind of weird social rhythm. You know, generally speaking, I don't speak to the people around me, but there's something about not being able to sit that that creates like a social rhythm. And so they were used to me muttering to myself about how frustrated I was with Jordan Poole. And then when he hit that three, I like sprinted around everybody and threw my hands in the air. So it was scary, but also awesome. I love Nemanja Bielitsa's continued excellence. In fact, let me go ahead and say something. I apologize, Nemanja. I apologize about making fun of your hair. I apologize for not being able to pronounce your name in any real, like, uh, legitimate fashion. You have been an incredible addition, and I was wrong. But I'll tell you what. The thing I like the most about, we've already kind of talked about, um, and I'm going to paint it with a different brush. So I loved Draymond's emotion. But let me put it a different way. Not everybody's comfortable with conflict. You know, I, I see that in my job as an attorney sometimes. Some attorneys feel better when they're fighting. And so they'll purposely cause a fight with everybody else because not everyone else can handle the conflict. And now they're in an advantage. Draymond has that personality type. And the thing I like is that he gets to dictate the emotional setting of a game and then benefit from it. You know, he immediately made that tense and uncomfortable for everyone except for him. It's like forcing everyone to play a game a mile above, uh, you know, the floor when you're the only person who's not afraid of heights. So I, I was so impressed with his ability to do that. And I think it changed the entire setting of the game. Last thing I liked, I love GP2 coming back. Just that calm savageness that he brings was so good to have back in my life. And I got something I don't, but I'll keep that in pocket. Maxime to you. What do you got? Man? Uh, I don't know. I think it's wise to keep that in pocket because I honestly was not feeling great. Um, since this game ended, I know we got the win. I know it was an emphatic second half, but it felt like a tale of two halves to me. And quite frankly, I think if Steph didn't come in with a certain savagery, uh, you know, I mean like right. He checks into the game. Um, and right away just has a series of events where on, on both sides of the court, he's totally impacting the game. And it really felt like you could tell from the second he walked onto the court in the second half, he was there to prove a point that he's the best player in the series and that he deserves finals MVP, or at least he deserves a championship. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that he's not super worried about that. But the first half was just absolutely brutal. Robert Williams and Al Horford did not make us feel comfortable shooting shots around the rim. We were not getting any easy looks. I think Clay is still absolutely forcing shots, making me really, really uncomfortable. Right. I mean, Van Gundy had this line about uh, uh, we're getting a bunch of easy looks around around the basket. That's not true. We were taking a lot of layups, but none of them looked particularly great. Um, and look, I, I think at the end, like I said, we made it or like you said, we made it a defensive adjustment, putting Draymond on Jalen Brown. That definitely opened some stuff up. Wiggins played fantastic defense. To, to your point on, on Jason Tatum, but I felt like overall Boston looked like the better team in the first half. And if we don't have a transcendent second half shooting, I'm not really sure that X's and O's we're going to be able to match up against them for the rest of the series to actually pull out another three wins. You seem more concerned now after a 19 point victory than you did after we lost game one. You're making Correct. me nervous. Like I'm starting to sweat now, which I'm not a big fan of. We'll, we will, 
go all the way into a lot of those reasons in the uh, golden questions here. I'll just add the thing I didn't like, and it's way more general and less specific um, to the to all the things that Maxine just pointed out. But what I don't like, Boston fan, man. I think that Boston fan might be... So USC fan has always been the most obnoxious fan in my life. I think that Boston fan might be edging them out. And having gone to that game, it really underlines it. So anytime you go to another person's arena while wearing your jersey, right? It's like going to someone else's birthday party with a shirt that says, fuck this person. You know, and, but there's different ways that you can sport that shirt. Some people are doing it just because they like the shirt. They're, they don't want to offend anybody. When Boston fan comes in there with the fuck you shirt, they're pointing it out to everybody. Like, oh, did you notice my shirt? How do you feel about that? They are remarkably obnoxious. And just being in that arena with them was difficult for me. And I'm sure that going back to Boston is going to be hard. Mark, I've never been to TD Garden. Um, you've spent a lot of time in Chase. You've traveled out there. As far as home court advantage, now that this series is switching back over to Boston, who do you think has a better home crowd? Wow. Do uh, I, I'm afraid to answer that because then you might have to re-rank the type of fans you would dislike and put me in there. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you are, I mean, you're not top 10 yet, but I think top 15 if it matters. <laughs> Look, well, I, I got to just call a spade a spade. The atmosphere at TD Garden's better than that Chase Center. Um, it, it's louder. Uh, when the third quarter starts, fans are back in their seats. Oh, low blow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look, there's just more history there. Um, it's not the old Boston Garden, but you know, it, they definitely have experience there. And my window into TD Garden, it's not just when the Warriors are coming into town; it's when the Lakers are coming into town. And there's, uh, you know, there's even more animosity because they hate the Lakers even more. Um, so I've heard how loud it gets, how vicious it gets. I haven't been at a Boston uh, Celtics game when Kyrie is there. I know that's even worse, but you know, I've been there Laker games, Kobe Bryant being there, you know, the Warriors, Draymond Green being there. It is loud. You can't hear yourself think. The atmosphere is amazing. I will say in the Warriors defense, they've been there, done that. They're not going to get rattled with it, but I think how home court advantage can play out is on the other side of the coin with the Celtics, their role players being better, how the officials call the game. Maybe they don't swallow their whistle as much. Maybe Draymond Green isn't able to avoid getting that second technical. And the other thing, I forgot to answer this question about the half glass full, half glass empty. I forgot to talk about the latter half of what I didn't like. You don't have to. Don't worry about that. Well, I got to fill in the blanks. I got to answer the question here. The offensive end, Steph Curry's going to be Steph, but I don't know who else is going to fulfill that mantle. I mean, Clay Thompson, while I do trust he is going to become Clay Thompson. So far, he hasn't been. Maybe it's another game before he sure. comes back. Can Andrew Wiggins get his shot going? Is Jordan Poole, is he going to offer what he showed in the third quarter? Will be the first six quarters. Who knows? Um, so you combine all those elements. This is going to be a tough one. But I think that the Warriors are actually going to win game three, believe it or not. Let's go. Because I think they're, they're going to be able to overcome the home court advantage part. The Celtics are, will try to lean into it lean on to and i think the warriors defense is so good and they're going to tap into that, that i think it's going to allow them to escape kind of one of those ugly grinded out kind of wins that you would associate the celtics with with playing in the 80s but is it the celtics record worse at home this playoffs yeah that's the other thing the five celtics, and four they're the five celtics and four. have been better 
Yeah. The Celtics have been better on the road. And then in the Warriors, they've won a road playoff game, yeah. I think, for 26 consecutive series. So they, they know how to do this. Celtics are nine and two, I think, on the road and five and four at home. Also, Mark, yeah. earlier when you said that there is more history in Bar- or in the TD Garden, did you mean racism or just using that word differently? Don't answer that. No yeah, there's there's it. more history. There's more <laughs> racist fans in Boston. Uh, and also there's more history of knowing how to cheer. They don't have the element at Chase Center of, hey, let's have a bunch of networking events in the suites and we don't care about coming out when the third quarter happens. Now, and they've I learned will. to cheer right through their white hoods, which is really impressive, man. Being yes. loud, despite having that over your face, can't be easy. The questions you're asking about the Warriors' offense is an unfounded. Honestly, I think the Warriors agree with you. We saw Clay out there in the fourth quarter after this thing was wrapped, after Steph did not come back in in game two. And I think some of that was the Warriors were hoping he'd find a rhythm. You know, that they yeah. even during garbage time, they wanted him out there and, you know, just trying to get his feeling back. So, you know, there's it's not I don't think it's going to be a five game series, but certainly there's reasons for optimism. Um Maxime, I was going to throw this towards you, but I'm not now because I'm afraid you're going to give me something negative. So, Marcus, I'll put it your way. This is our golden questions. This is a mailbag. Um, I wasn't smart enough to have them in front of me, but I remember their general theme. And the first was the guy felt catatonic after game one, elated after game two. What are the differences that we saw in how the game was played? Uh, And I don't he had some fun little background of it, but I'm too sick to remember. So I don't remember that portion. So what do you think, man? What were the differences between game one and game two? I think it was just energy and, and uh, defensive intensity. Um, and, you know, and GP2 being back helps. Uh, you know, I think you we can underestimate too easily how much um, he contributes, even if it's just, a, you know, two to three layups, you know, throughout the game. They're great at either continuing or breaking momentum depending on what you want and it's just that that constant nagging of of a player who just disrupts your flow so um i thought that the difference was just um you know boston came in and stole a game but really it was just a fourth quarter we were up by 12 heading into the fourth and then they had an elite fourth quarter. Again, we talked about it last time. Any team play, if OKC came in and shot that way in the fourth quarter, we would have lost to them. So it doesn't matter. It just happened to be Boston. So um, I, I think it's just the energy that we that we brought. And I still think, you know, like Jason Tatum's plus minus was negative 36, minus 36 for the game. He's not going to duplicate that. That's terrible. Um, but you know, he had a, he had a great game. He shot six for nine from three. He, you know, he was their leading scorer. So I think you, when you look forward and you say, okay, well, if they get a, a normal game from Tatum and Brown steps up, but you still don't see those role players going nine for eleven from three, I still like the way that we match up with them. And you know, Bram to help you out here, I'm still going Warriors in five. I think we win both in. TD Garden, and we come back home and, and close it out. Let's go. You're that Maxime. Fuck you. You are not going <laughs> to infect him with your negativity. Yeah. As far as GP2's comeback, so I, I think it was late in the first quarter when he actually checked in, but there was a moment when Kerr had him go up to the scores table and then thought better of it. You know, he must have saw some matchup and then decided to change it. But even then, in the like eight seconds that Gary Payton got up, went over, touched the scores table, and then came back to the bench, he got an, a, an immediate ovation from the people who were noticing. I mean, uh, Chase was so excited 
to welcome him back. And they welcomed him back before he was even on the floor, which absolutely stuck out to me. Um, the biggest difference between games one and two, and I'm actually going to use some of your numbers, Maxime, and some of what Draymond said. So I, I heard a quote from Draymond after game one. And he said, yeah, yeah, they got hot in the fourth quarter, but our defensive lapses started in the second, and that's why they were comfortable. You know, you let an NBA player get comfortable, those shots start falling, and that's on us. We should not have allowed them to get comfortable. And the stats that triggered for me is what you were telling us last week, Maxime, or I guess earlier this week, that it wasn't just that they were hitting shots, that the fucking shots were wide open. We were letting them get comfortable. Go back to what Draymond did from the first possession when he wrapped up Horford. There, from the very moment that the thing started, he decided, well, you're not getting comfortable on our court, not today. That was the difference between games one and games two. Um, I actually have my questions in front of me now, although I didn't need it for this one. Quote, Mark just wrote a ruthless article called Why the Warriors NBA Title Fortunes Rest More on Their Defense Than Offense. Please ask him to spoil the ending. I'm not sure why they called it a ruthless article, but you tell us, man. Spoil the ending. Why does, uh, why does this fit more on their defense and their offense in their mind? Well, it's just history. Um, you know, when you look at their other championship runs, the Warriors always fared at the almost very top and defensive rating 2015 they were first 2017 they were second 2018 they were first so we can talk about Steph Curry's brilliance or Kevin Durant's finals MVP performances for two of those runs but the bigger thing was their defensive identity and how well they played as a team and then when you're just looking at the dynamic of the NBA finals in general it's a lot tougher to score in the finals uh you know the playoffs Officials swallow their whistles. The games get more physical. Um, you have to lean in on how well you can play defense because, one, it allows you to kind of fall back on something when your offense is struggling, number one. But number two, it's your way to foil the other team from playing defense. And I think, you know, when we're talking about games one and two, like one thing that I do understand the Warriors, I don't think even though, you know, maybe the intensity was more in game two, I think these were all tactical things. Them leaving Al Horford and Derek White and um, mm-hmm. Marcus Smart open, it really reminded me of the Warriors' defensive strategy against Tony Allen sure. with the Memphis Grizzlies. Like the, the best defense is no defense rule because they think, hey, you guys are just going to clank shots. We'll live with that. We'll just load up on Jason Tatum and call it a night. And so I think that's what happened. You know, they had Andrew Wiggins on Jason Tatum, and then Draymond was like the rover guy. Right. And he just made the calculated decision. You know what? You guys are scrubs from the outside. I'm going to just double up on Tatum and just make sure everything's covered in the paint and leave you guys open. They said, you know, they found out, you know what? We were wrong, but this was a valuable way of, of their acknowledgement of course correcting sure. and knowing, hey, we got to We got to fix this. And so, uh, I, I I think that's number one. Number two, there's also this unknown of how the offensive identity is going to be moving forward. And so while the Warriors would love to have Clay Thompson get out of the slump and would love to have a reliable second guy, they don't know if they can do that. So let's control the controllables. Let's lean in on something that we know how to do, and that's the defensive side of the floor. 
Makes sense. Um, it makes perfect sense. This next question, I guess, is perfectly suited for you, Maxine. So this person is, is pointing out, look, we have updated our series prediction after every game. They have now played two. It's gone 1-1. I feel like your confidence may be shaken, so let's go to you. When we first um, predicted this before the series started, you told me Warriors and Six. After the Warriors lost game one, I think you stuck to Warriors and Six. So where are you now? What's your prediction? Um. I still think it's Warriors and six. So there you go. I, I was partially coming down hard on them because that was just, I, I think a really poor effort. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say a really poor effort. I think that was a really solid effort in the first half and it yeah. still looked like a nail biter. And that doesn't feel very good. I knew Draymond coming out in the first possession and clamping down on Al Horford was showing that he was, you know, he took game one personally, like everybody said, and it didn't feel good that it was as tight as it was. I felt like they were zipping the ball around like the Warriors used to do to get easy open looks with way less effort than we were doing on the other end of the floor. Not a good feeling, but overall the pieces started to click. You could see us making moves and it turns out that championship material is uh, bred, not born, right? And so we've been there before. We know what to do. We made the adjustments. We focused. Steph came out and was the best player on the floor. And we made it happen. I trust them to do it three more times. I'm giving you crap because I think it's entertaining to do it. But if I'm being honest with you and transparent, which is basically what I do on this show, I was losing my mind in the first half. So there's not a lot of advantages of wearing a mask through an NBA finals game. You know, like I've, I have not, I haven't been to a lot of finals games and the games I've gone to, I'm not wearing a mask. I don't have Boston's history of having to scream through a mask for you know years and years of fandom. <laughs> but one of the, uh, one of its random upsides of it somewhere between the first and the second quarter, I was literally running through the bar screaming the word fuck because I was so upset, but nobody knew it was me and no one could tell that I was the one being inappropriate. So like for me to say, you know, I'm giving you crap for not being incredibly rosily optimistic. I understand, but man, they pulled it out and they looked phenomenal more than pulled it out. You know, they looked like the dominant warriors so much so that Steph didn't play a single second in the fourth, um, but let's use this all as runway. Mark, we don't have your official prediction. You suggested a little bit earlier on, but give me an official one now. You know, you've watched two games. What do you think, man? Who wins and in how many games? Yeah, before the series started, uh, I picked Warriors at seven. I still uh, hold that prediction. I thought that the Warriors would win game one because they got home court advantage. The Celtics were just coming off a seven-game series against the Heat. Relatively speaking, they were less healthier or not as healthy as the Warriors yep. uh, were with having that full rest and all the and all those things. And then I thought the Celtics would take game two with just making adjustments. But you know what? Tomato, tomato, right? The series is still split. I think what's going to happen, and Bram, I apologize in advance because you're just oh, no. going to have a very stressful two weeks. Oh no! I don't think that there's going to be a winning streak at all in this series. I think it's just going to go up and down. One team wins one. Then the other team wins one and back and forth up to game seven. So I think the Warriors are going to take game three. You're going to think, oh, my gosh, we got home court back. We're in control of the series. But then the Celtics, they, you know, split it. And then it's like, oh, man, I don't know what to think. We're back at home. We technically have home court advantage, but I don't know what any of this means. Just brace yourself. It's a wild ride. But don't worry. Seventh game, it's going to end in confetti dropping at Chase Center. And you know what? I think the tech crowd will be inclined to come out of their suites when the confetti drops. Instead of the 
I, I guess we can only dream. We'll, we'll find out. I know that if it goes seven, I'm going to require at least one emergency room trip. We'll find out when it is. I don't think it'll be game seven. I think it'll be before that. Uh, but I, we'll we'll all find out together. Did any of that shake your confidence, Marcus? So hearing that, you know, that, you know, Mark does this for a living. He covered this team specifically for multiple years. You know, he, he's been to TD Garden. He's seen the history there. All of that. He says seven. Does this shake you even a little bit in your five game prediction? It makes me think about it. You know, I respect Mark and he's 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 good at his job for a reason. So when he says it, it makes me think about it. But I got to stick with Warriors and five. I think he just misspoke. He said seven instead of five. Um, the confetti falls and chase a few games earlier. And I I'd still go back to I think as ugly as it is. And to Maxine's point, it looks like, you know, like we're they're zipping the ball around and we're not playing well we're still winning the quarters at the end when the quarter, when the final whistle or the buzzer goes off in the quarter ends, we're up by one or two or three or four for that quarter. So I think clay finds his rhythm and that's the nail in the coffin for them. We've, we've done all this and clay has been terrible. If we have a great clay Thompson, then all of a sudden to me, it's, it's even less of a series. And that's why I think it goes five. Take back everything I said about the wedding. You're on fire. I like that. You not only disagreed with Mark, but you gave Maxime a drive by. Fuck you. There wasn't even a thing like with Maxime on the table. And you decided, Oh yeah, I heard what you said before. And here's why it's wrong. So nicely played in as many weddings as you want. My apologies, man. Look, I was wrong. I'm wrong. Frequently. I'm sick, dude. What do you want from me? I'm, I'm reacting from, uh, just right from the gut here. Here is our next question. And it's kind of an exciting one. So, quote, old school basketball head Peter V is losing his mind on Twitter on how the game should be refed. Do you agree with him? So I read this and had no idea who the hell Peter V was. I had to search my soul, figured it might be Peter Vesey, then had to look up Peter Vesey's Twitter account. But this gentleman was right. Peter Vesey is, in fact, losing his mind. So you guys may remember that after Draymond got his first tech, there was another play that was reviewed. And had it been a uh, call the technical, it would have been Draymond's second. And they had Steve Javi come on and be the expert referee. And he told us that um, when he was there and the way he understands it is that refs look at things differently if a player already has a single technical, that they take that into account. Well, here's what old school basketball head Peter V had to say on that on Twitter. Quote, as I emphasized on NBA radio, the league has a scandal on its hands. If refs officiate differently when a player has one tech, as Steve Javi said he did on last night's whistleblowers apparently did, does that mean the same holds true regarding stars with five fouls? Is that NBA policy? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark. So, gentlemen, do you think it is wrong for NBA refs to consider the fact that a player already has a technical? And does this amount to a scandal in your mind? Uh, Mark, actually, no, Mark, would you take it first? This isn't a scandal. This is just the gray area that playoff basketball is looked at differently. Um, look, if Draymond Green, like me, mugged Jalen Brown, he would have gotten a technical and ejected. But here, I think, in fairness, the replay showed that Draymond fell because Jalen Green's leg yep. was kicked out. I don't think it was anything intentional, but it caused him to fall. And then when Draymond's legs went over, it was just the momentum of his fall. I don't think anything was intentional from either part. But I think what Steve Javi was getting into is, look, yes, offic officials 
swallow their whistle more in the playoffs because that's just how the playoffs are. But it's not getting into Tim Donaghy stuff or conspiracy right. stuff. That's that's nonsense here. Um, so yes, there is a gray area, and there always will be a gray area that um, star players. I don't want to say get preferential treatment, but there's more of an understanding because of their tendencies on the court that they're given more of a benefit of a doubt playoff basketball. It's allowed to be more physical. And I think also officials are mindful of, they don't want to dictate the outcome of a basketball game by a whistle. Of course that's all it is. So yeah, yeah, I think it's overblown. It's more of the gray area as opposed to, Oh yeah, let's let's protect the stars. Let's make sure we're manipulating the outcome. No, it's if anything, it's the opposite that they don't want to be, the, the people that are determining the outcome, they want the players to determine it. Peter Vesey is trying to hold on to relevancy. Is this a scandal? Of course it's not. You know, would you like the NBA refs to call everything identically on every play? I guess so. You know, I mean, if you want to have a, a body of rules that are always um, thrown out there robotically, but the practical matter is that these are not robots. This is the human aspect of this. It is impossible for a referee not to take that into account. And that's certainly true if one of the people we're looking at is a star of the team. They have to factor that in. You know, I, I don't think it should be in the rule book. You shouldn't say that you change this up, you know, if somebody has a tech, but the idea that referees consider it is just a, a, a byproduct of being a human being. And I don't think it's scandalous at all. Uh, Maxine, Marcus, any of this firing you guys up? I don't know that it's firing me up <clears throat> quite frankly. No. So I don't think it's a scandal. I don't think that it was deserved to be called a technical, right? When we're, when somebody's talking about sort of the official rules of it, if it sort of impedes basketball play, like I didn't see anybody more culpable than the other. And I I sort of think that that was a non-issue, but this does make me, does remind me of another feeling that I had in that first quarter. And it was the first time I've ever felt this. I felt like, you know, as we talked about before, is it a conspiracy that refs sort of call the game more the Tim Donaghy stuff, right? For, for one team to sort of even out the series. And it really felt like, the refs were calling a bunch of stuff for the Warriors. Like as if they, as if we needed this buoyancy to get a win in game two so that the series could go longer than whatever five or whatever for the Celtics. Now, okay, I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but the fact that I was feeling that way as a Warriors fan for the first time in my fandom did not make me feel confident about the things of the series. But anyways, I digress. I feel like you're going to pull up your shirt and be wearing a Tatum jersey. What's going on over there? Whoa, 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 like, kidnap you or something? <laughs> I don't know. Like this entire thing is totally unacceptable. I can't believe this. this Marcus is the, is the one agreeing with me. You're over here giving me like, wow, the refs are giving too much love to Golden State. What's happening? And Bram, wait, quick reference here. Is this the uh, sequel to Celtic Pride? You know, remember when Daniel Stern kidnapped <laughs> Damon Wayans? Is this what's going on here? <laughs> I, I mean, the only reason I know for sure it's not is that that's one of the worst fucking movies ever made. <laughs> and they will not be making a sequel to that in any place, anywhere, ever. So it just, unfortunately, you know, it is what it is. So if this was you trying out for uh, the, that sequel, man, my my apologies. I don't think it's going to happen. Bummer. <laughs> Yeah. My daughter just came into my room to let me know that I'm dropping too many F-bombs. So let's move it to our last <laughs> question, boys. And we're going to go uh, quick hitters here. All right. These are all predictions. They're all looking towards game three. Here's the first leading score with how many points? What do you guys guess? I'll go first. Steph, 45. I think Steph Whoa. is is on a mission to show the world that he should have been getting finals MVP. I think he recognizes this 
as a, a must win because they want to get this back. And I agree with what Maxime talked about when Steph put his imprint on this last game. He came in and imposed his will. I think we're going to see that exact same thing in TD Garden. So that's my pick. What do you guys got? That's a great call. Originally, I was going to say Tatum, um, and I was going to put it somewhere in the 30s. Um, you know, I, I think he, he, we all have been saying this for the first two games, right? He's been having rough showings, and he's due for a standout performance. I mean, he's the East Coast, or uh, Eastern Conference uh, Finals MVP, right? He, he's, he's, he's better than he's been playing this series, there's no doubt. But we also know about their two and eight record at home. And I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out expecting to be booed by the home crowd and ultimately throws out another clunker um, because that's not how it's going to work in the finals with our clampdown defense. So I'm doubling down on your Steph, but I will. I, it's, I think it's going to be a little bit less insane than 45. Uh, I'm going to say 32. I kind of wish you had just leaned all the way into Celtic pride and like, I think that all of the Celtics roster scores <laughs> 60 points individually. Like they're all incredible. Let's change the, the ref. Stop leaning their way towards gold. Bastards, Call fucking cheaters, dude. Goddamn <laughs> cheaters. Unbelievable. Uh, switch the question. Uh, Mark, you take the mic. I just disappointed my daughter again. I got to get out of this gentlemen. I'm, I'm, I'm not winning father of the year. Mark, different question. Will there be a technical in this next game? And if so, by who? Well, it seems inevitable. It's the finals. It's in Boston. They exchange texts again. I think it's going to be the same characters. We're going to have a sequel to Draymond Green and Jalen Brown, and they won't get ejected, not because it's a conspiracy, but because they know how to toe the line of being physical, antagonistic, energetic, but not at the cost of helping their team win a championship. So, yeah, I think that there's going to be some sort of tussle and both guys will get teed up. The, 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 the safe double technical saying, hey, both sides are at fault, but it won't get anything beyond that. Somewhere Peter V is getting ready for a giant scandal. Um, I'll give a different response. I think there will be a tech. I think it's going to be Marcus Smart. I think Marcus Smart is somewhere right now stewing. I think he is furious that Draymond is getting all this attention for having changed the emotional setting, that Draymond is the guy who's getting underneath people's skin, that that's what everybody is talking about, even though that's how Marcus Smart won his defensive player of the year. And I think he's going to come out and be reckless. And I think we're going to get a tech pretty early on. Uh, Marcus, answer that question and then bridge us to the next one. Who wins uh, and will they cover? The current spread, at least when I checked it before we hopped in, was Boston was favored by three and a half. Nice. Answer all three. Uh, leading scorer is Clay. I think he has a big game coming back. Um, first team. technical goes to Grant Williams. I think he um, has a, a a hot moment as he doesn't shoot the ball well again. And then um, Boston does not cover because the Warriors win. Mark, what do you think? Who wins? And do the keep the spread in mind? And, and the spread is what? Boston minus three and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got I got the Warriors uh, winning 95-90. I think it's going to be another grinded out game. It's all about their defense. But here's the ironic part. I think this also coincides with Clay Thompson having his breakout game, getting out of a slump. But incidentally enough, it's going to be at a time when the rest of the Warriors offense huh. is just uh, moving in mud. Yeah. You know, Steph, I think, is still a positive impact. He's working through it, but hey, he's just going to get double teamed, whatever. The offense isn't the same machine, but 
Clay Thompson's getting all these open looks that he carries them enough to still get points on the board. But it, on the other side, it's going to be mostly about Draymond and everyone else playing really well defensively. If I could handpick two things, you know, if I could go into the possible outcomes and pull out two. So obviously Warriors would be, or Warriors winning would be the first. The second would be a hot clay game. I'd prefer be wrong about Steph going for the 42. And I'd like to see clay um, put his stamp on this, shut up some of the critics and then, you know, establish himself as the offensive cog. We know him to be um, Maxine. What's your prediction? Yeah, and and to be clear, Clay will. It might not be game three, but Clay's going to have one. I believe that, and I also think Warriors win this one. Uh, so obviously, we cover the spread. Yeah, I will make it a clean sweep. I also think the Warriors will win. Mark, missed you, man. Great to have you back. We appreciate you letting us some of your time. For everybody, not just those out there who agree with me. For everybody who needs far more Medina in their life, where should they go? Well, thank you, sir. Uh, NBA.com and my Twitter handle, Mark G underscore Medina. I also do a lot of uh, different TV and radio work for Fox Sports Radio. And of course, try to go on your uh, amazing world's Warriors huddle pod anytime I can. How'd we do? Is this better than Draymond's Twitter spaces? Let's see. Draymond Green's defense is better than you, yours. But I would say the podcasting skills... I'm going to do a tie. I'm going to oh, do a tie. <laughs> man. Man, I mean, good news for you is you just got into my top five of most hated fans. So there you nice. go. We so, all wait, are winners today. You should take this as a compliment. Draymond Green has one of the most downloaded sports podcasts in America, and you are tied with him. Yeah, no, I understand what the word tie means, it's and I compliment. appreciate you. Okay, I didn't want to revisit it. Yo, you're number one now. You just you just ratcheted it up all the way to the top. For us, you want to shoot us an email, let us know that we did a good job, bad job, any job. Get us questions. You just want to let us know uh, your opinion on any of this stuff. Shoot us an email at... Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Don't worry about our social media account. Instead, please follow Marcus's new podcast, Weddings. Um, I understand it's really solid. It only comes out on finals days, but it's worth it. You know what I mean? Play chess, not checkers. And with that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you real soon. Good, good. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.